Hey there, welcome to Motos and Friends, a weekly podcast from the editorial staff at Ultimate Motorcycling. My name is Arthur Coldwells. This week, associate editors TJ Adams and Kelly Callan chat about Kelly's recent experience with the new Royal Enfield Meteor 350. This new retro-style cruiser is an inexpensive way to get into the cool of motorcycling for an amount that hopefully won't break the bank. In the second segment, TJ chats with actor Stephen Marcus, the English actor who played Nick the Gree in Guy Ritchie's late 90s classic British underworld movie Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. Stephen has relocated to Los Angeles and started riding motorcycles recently, including a charity ride with Daryl Clark's Sons of Royalty ride. Stephen has recently also inked a deal for a motorcycle-themed reality TV show as well. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Kelly. How are you today? I'm great. How are you doing, TJ? Really well, really well, thanks. And thank you for joining us. Of course. Now, thank you. Um, you've been riding for quite some time, I understand, unlike myself. So tell us a little bit about, I don't know, how you started getting into motorcycles. Wow. Um but then you'd know my age if I tell you. How <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of years and I started out riding. Well, I started out riding behind my boyfriend on his motorcycle. Very common thing for, for girls or women. Yes. And um, he had a street bike and I thought that was just fine. And before I did that, I had never, even really thought about motorcycles. You know, I'd see one go by, had nothing to do with my life. It's not like I looked at it and went, oh, wow, I'd like to do that. I just, you know, didn't have anything to do with me. Never thought anything about it. Um, but he had one and took me on a motorcycle ride. In fact, it was our first date, I guess. Not that I looked at it that way. But anyway, it was, you know, thrilling, absolutely thrilling to go riding. And we went all day. And so anyway, I ended up riding behind him for quite some time. And then he sold the bike he had and got a dual sport bike. And so the first time we went off road, off the pavement and onto the dirt, I really didn't like it because it bounced around. And so yes. even I was holding on to him, but that wasn't very secure anymore now that we were bouncing. So I, I didn't like it. And he said, well, you want to learn how to ride? And I'm like, okay, you know, again, that had never occurred to me, <laughs> but I'm like, okay. And that was, you know, that was the end of it. It was like, I, I'm, and in fact, I'm a terrible passenger now. Um, it, you know, infrequently I'll have to ride behind him if we need to go trade bikes or, you know, do something, drop a bike and come back together. Um, I'm always clunking my helmet on his because I'm just, I'm a bad passenger now. Yeah, you're um, too used to riding, too used to riding yourself. Yeah, exactly. And being in control. So it's funny the way it goes, you know, and how you just try things when you're young, as you say, you just thought, yep, I'll learn to ride full, full enthusiasm. Yeah, exactly. So he taught me on a trials bike. So off-road, which was great, really the best way to learn, you know, if you fall and you will fall, you're on the dirt. So it's forgiving. And, um, so we did that for a while. Then I got a, uh, a dual sport bike myself and we did a lot of dual sport riding and so even though I did 
right on the road, it was very minimal. You know, it was just to get from one dirt place to another, pretty yes. much little, little bit of a highway stretch somewhere or a freeway stretch, highway right. stretch more likely, but not too much. It was mostly about dirt riding. And um, back before I got onto the street, I also, though, I started taking pictures. So that's kind of, I guess this will be my segue into how did I get into writing about and taking pictures and photos and so forth. But I, I took some pictures way back when for Cycle News, um, which is really cool, some trials pictures that got published. And I then was a test writer a little bit for Feed Up and Dual Sporter magazines. And these this goes back to Cycle News was in the 80s and Dual Sporter and Feed Up magazine, which was about trials writing. Um, that was in the 90s. Wow. So that goes way back. Um, and then I even wrote a, a four-wheeler four for ATV Action. And that was really fun on the dunes. So I had a little tiny bit of, of that world. Um, and then eventually Don ended up at Robberport. And um, around that time, I also started riding on the street a little bit, not too much. Yes. And, you know, I don't want to go into tons of, of all of this, but I, so it, it dates way back. It dates way back. Fantastic. So now do you find you prefer riding on the street or riding on the dirt? You know, it's funny. Uh, it took me a while on the street to get comfortable. Um, we used to go out on the weekends and ride and he would have different bikes, you know, that would be coming through the, you know, the garage to test. And uh, whenever it was a new bike, I, I would take so long to get comfortable. You right. know, we, you know, I'd be lagging so far behind him. And then after, I don't know, half an hour or something, I'd get comfortable and then I'd keep up and it was great. And it'd be like, yeah, this is great. And then, you know, the next time he had a, a different bike and I, I was always, always willing to get on and try whatever I would just poke. And, you know, after our 20 minutes or 30 minutes, I'd get comfortable and then I'd keep up and so forth. But that was kind of like my weekend riding. And then eventually I ended up commuting to work on a bike. Oh, and right. uh, that was the huge big difference mm. because being out every day, being in the traffic and so forth, um, I just got totally comfortable. And now I can pretty much get on any bike and I'm comfortable immediately. It's like, yeah. it's a bike no big deal just um, getting familiar isn't it i think it's yeah. it's yeah and i guess i don't know putting in all all the just all the hours the the miles whatever so that you're not thinking about what you're doing it's just what you do which is how i was on the dirt bikes but the street was just a whole different experience mm. so now i spend way more of my time on the street bikes and the dirt bikes so in some ways that's more comfortable um and i'm kind of working to put more dirt miles under me on the weekend so I can get more comfortable. You know, I, I still do it and I, I really like it. That's like a whole nother world. Um, it sounds so challenging to me because I started in England. We don't automatically, well, not automatic, but, but here I feel that children or kids are put onto dirt bikes kind of more regularly than would have happened in England. So I haven't actually ridden on the dirt myself. Well, one one bad experience actually, but that's for another, that's another story. <laughs> but um, it, to me, it's scary, and I think it would. I think in the ideal world, everybody should do some dirt to start with, because that's when you actually learn about how how a, a bike acts under you know all those different sort of you know conditions. Um, right. And 
I feel that in at the end of the day, that will that will make you a better road rider. But, right, because I think you get you get comfortable with the idea of certainly the back wheel moving around, you know, sliding around, and, and so I hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true, but you do, you do, and and you have all the uh, suspension. So if you go over rough things, you're standing up. So the bike moving under you, and you know, you're not like with your legs wrapped around it necessarily. You're standing up on the pegs and letting it move around and actually that's to me that's almost more comfortable when i'm riding on the dirt is to yeah. stand up i really up. must give it a go i mean that sounds yeah sounds like you're sort of giving the bike more of a free rein and then when you're on the road you kind of have to meld into one right well actually it's like you know you rode a bicycle as a kid right so yes yeah yeah i mean i don't know i remember when we rode as kids you would always um you'd stand up on the pedals you know, right. they bounce off the curb. You know, it's that same kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. You start to do things sort of automatically. Yeah. So. So um, you were presented with, uh, or for this test, riding the Royal Enfield Meteor 350. And was yes. that something you kind of looked forward to? Or did you look at it and go, that's not really my type of thing, but here we go. Uh, you know, I saw that bike and I'm like, that looks like so much fun. I can't wait to throw a leg over the seat and get going on that. It, I love the look of like a standard, which is, I know they're targeting it as cruiser. To me, that's more of a standard. That's what it looks like. Mm. Um, and it's, it's very welcoming looking. And the one we got was the yellow one. What do they call that? Fire, fireball yellow. So yes. it just looks happy. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, you know, I like, ah, there's not many. I can't think of any any type of bike I don't like. I mean, there are things you have your preferences for. You yes. know, maybe in general, if you just ask me in a vacuum, what's your favorite style? I might say um, a mid-size bike, uh, sport touring mid-size bike. But I love these traditional looking. That's also how I see it. These real kind of old school, traditional looking. Yes. Style bike and it's a relaxed um the seating position on this is upright relaxed the feet are actually forward a little bit not like extreme like on a cruiser but they are forward a bit the whole body position makes you want to ride in a relaxed manner you know it's, it's not like you're on a, a ninja 650 and you're like okay let's go you know yeah you're, you're urged to buzz around yeah, exactly. And, and even a Ninja 650, I mean, it's not even like a super sport bike, but you know what I mean? A bike that puts you in a lean forward position with your feet tucked back, you're going to feel like you want to go fast. Yeah, it just gives you a sense of urgency. But um, I must admit, I, when I saw the meter, I thought it was great. I love that industrial look and mm -hmm. it looked quite hefty, you know, for a 350. I would never have guessed, actually. It looked really impressive. So the sort of thing you'd like to be seen on. Right. I agree. It doesn't look like some little bike necessarily. Generally, when you're there and you've got hold of the handlebars, what, what's the instrumentation like? Easy to read, easy to see, or are you? Oh, yeah. It's real. It's real basic. Real basic. It's real um, simple. The dash is simple. I mean, there's, there's a dial there with your speedometer. There's a, a the time is on it. The clock is there. Um, it even has a 
gear shift indicator, which is surprising to me, but I love that because I like to see it. I like to know what gear I'm in. It's not a necessity, but I don't know, something reassuring. I just like it. Right. It's not a necessity. And it's funny, on some cruiser bikes, you don't have clocks because like, hey, who's in a hurry? Who cares what time it is? This one has a clock, which I like, even if I'm not in a hurry, I just like to know. So <laughs> and there's a separate pod, little pod on the right handlebar. That's this TripIt app that they have. Um, if you're not using it, it has the time as well. That's all it displays, but it's something that you can hook up to your iPhone with the Tripper app. All right. That sounds interesting. Yeah, it helps you. It gives you turn by turn directions. It's it's built within the Google platform. So you can put in your destination and you have to download the app onto your phone, onto your smartphone, and then it connects up. And it's really very simple, very easy. And you put the address of wherever it is you want to go and then it gives you turn by turn directions and that's a nice touch actually isn't it because some some things like that can be really complicated but yeah if you found it easy to use it's nice to have that sort yeah of option bikes have a whole nav navigation thing built into their tft screen you know very complicated stuff this is like yes a simple, simple thing on the on the handle and how did the meteor sound it looks pretty hefty. Did it sound impressive or did it sound weedy? <laughs> 350. So it's not like some big, big sound, but you know, it's, it's a single. So you've got that nice thumper sound and I like singles. Um, that's kind of one of my favorites. I, I like the power delivery on singles. Mm. It's low end. Um, it pulls right from the start. So it makes it easy, especially this bike. This bike is really would be great for beginner. Um, and what's interesting about that is that is not boring to somebody like me who's ridden many, many years, right? It's mm. fun. It's fun. But the power delivery on it is, is forgiving and it's uh, responsive. Is it, you can sort well, of get yourself out of trouble a bit? Um, it's not quick. It's not quick. So, which is not to say it doesn't have power, but it's, it's not quick, like explosive, but that's what makes it really great for a beginner. It's like you twist the throttle, it's going to come on slowly, but predictably, linearly, smoothly. So there's no, there's nothing to manage, which is one of the things that's really nice about the bike. It's like mm. great for tooling around town. Just got on, you're just cruising along. Power is a lot of low end power. You don't even need to do a lot of shifting. You can roll on and roll off just to kind of modulate your speed a bit. Um, so it's very easy, very easy. That's great. It's good to start on something like that that is forgiving, definitely. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's like yes, it's perfect for a beginner, but that doesn't mean it's boring. It's absolutely not boring. It's just it's it's a ton of fun. And height wise, is it sort of low? Most cruises are low, or you know, it's it's not the lowest in its class. Um, direct competitors, the V Star Two Fifty, and uh, the Honda Rebel, they're both about three inches lower, right. which is significant. So yeah, the seat height on, on the Meteor is 30.1. I have a 30 and a half inch inseam. So when I sit on it, it's going to sag down a bit. I sit on it and I'm totally flat footed and I'm thinking, oh, this is easy. Now I know that's not easy for everybody. If you have a shorter inseam, you know, that's, that's going to be an issue. So it's not the shortest. 
um, I don't view it as being tall and something about the bike and its weight, it carries it, I guess, kind of low. So it's still very easy to maneuver when I'm on it at a stop, let's say, if I need to kind of paddle forward or back, if I were trying to get in a parking space or, yes. you know, turn it. Yes, stations. It's not like some big handful and it's tall and the weight's up high. It's, you know, I, I find it very manageable. All good for helping those uh, starters and intermediate or people who are just a bit anxious. Well, yeah, it's always nice to be able to be flat footed on a bike, you know, at a stop, mm. you know, so. Yeah, for sure. And does it have a kickstart? I don't no. think it does. No kickstart. No. And uh, braking, does it feel kind of stable and secure? Did you have any hard braking situations? No, um, I didn't because, again, it doesn't inspire you to try and speed around. Um, the brakes are, the initial engagement is soft, which is perfect. I like that. Pull harder, you'll get more. It's still kind of a linear feel at the, um, at the lever. But you're not going to accidentally grab a handful, you know, and like jerk yourself. Right. You know, it's it's soft, which is good. But there's enough there. It's it's got a a big enough disc at the front. It's going to slow you down. You squeeze it really hard, you'll get more power out of it. But you're not going to surprise yourself. And the the rear brake also, I will say, I found myself using that quite a bit. I like to use the rear brake anyway, but but this one's really useful. It has good feel. You can actually modulate it. You can feel it and it's effective. So it's not like you need to always be grabbing the front brake because it's the only way to stop. That's not the mm. issue there. Yeah, I like to use a rear brake. It somehow feels, it feels a bit safer. I, it's probably all in my mind, but um, I sort of combine the two. Yeah, especially around town at yeah. the highest speeds that this bike inspires, you're not in a big hurry. And if somebody, you know, jumps in front of you or something you have to grab it you know I still think you'd be able to stop it well enough the, the brakes are strong mm. so oh I also wanted to mention the heel toe shifter all right do tell I don't usually like heel toe shifters which you'll find on cruisers right um this works quite good it works quite good when I first got on the bike and started going down the street I was shifting with my toe because that's what I do and I got into mm -hmm. neutral a couple of times, like by mistake, you know, I didn't shift precisely enough and it just kind of whoop, went into that false neutral thing. And I'm like, whoa. Yes. Yeah. That can happen once you get a little bit familiar and you relax. <laughs> that happens to me anyway. And then I do get beyond it. But yes, yeah, so you slip into neutral. Yeah. So then I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, right. This has the heel toe shifter. So I started using that. I never accidentally got into some place I didn't right. want to be. It's very and something about that on uh, this type of bike cruiser where you're sitting upright just feels right so after like the initial few times where I uh, you know went to my automatic shift mm. with the toe I stopped doing that and um, just used the heel shifter heel toe shifter and it was perfect wow that's cool really that's nice. a nice again a nice addition sounds like a lot of thought has actually gone into this machine yeah it is. I think so it it, it looks great it feels great yes I was really kind of trying to figure out what I don't like about you know there's got to be something right something tweak they could make better and I, I haven't figured out what it is yet and in the the rides that I took and I took a couple of really nice rides up into the hills all around town 
on the freeway. Oh, here's what. Okay, I'll talk about this. But uh, again, I'm I'm like reaching here um, on the freeway, and it's this is a 350 cc. It's a single, right? So yes, uh, it's going to buzz. The higher in the RPM range you get, it's you're going to get a little bit bit of buzz there. Um, it's capable. It's absolutely capable on the freeway of keeping up. I think I. I could get 75 miles per hour on it when I really had it twisted all the way. And, you know. Yeah, that's decent enough if you're, you're trying to get from A to B. Yeah, you know, and I'm not going to get run over at that speed, but there's nothing extra. Like, you know, I mean, the freeways around town here, they you can have some cars whipping by. There could be a time where you really do need to make a maneuver and you wouldn't be able to do that there. You're tapped out at 75 now, granted, if you were riding at 65 and you needed to do something, it's not going to respond quickly. It's just not. It's a single. It's a small single. So yes. it's capable of doing that, but that's not where it's fun. And besides that, you get all this wind because there's no windshield and you're sitting fully upright on it. Mm. So granted, the bike comes in a couple of other iterations, one of which has a windscreen. So if that's what you want to do, you get the one with the windscreen. Make sure, yes, make sure you get the little screen on there. Right, that's the stellar. <laughs> and when you're up riding the twisty, bendy canyon roads, clearance, did you, you know, start to lean it a bit? Yes, and, and actually, I, I before I, I took it up onto Mulholland, um, I had just noticed just riding around the street here you know because i just took it out of the driveway and spun around and came back around so you know did a u-turn or whatever this bike turns really well slowly you can lean it it's so comfortable it's crazy it reminded me of the honda monkey actually which is a little little bike but yes um, yeah this bike so in the hills and and when we did the photo shoot i noticed it too because we went somewhere else where there's a really tight turn um i actually scraped i think my heel it wasn't the foot peg, my heel um, scraped down on the ground because you can lean nicely, but because of where your feet are, you'd scrape that heel. You know what I mean? Yes. But what's nice, the handling on the bike is great. You can lean into a turn and it's, even though it's, it's not a light bike, relatively speaking, like those other two bikes um, in the category that I was comparing it to, they're lighter by quite a bit. Mm. Um, this bike is very nimble. It's 421 pounds ready to go, which is not light relative to some of the other bikes of its size. Yes. But it doesn't feel heavy and lumbering like you can't turn. It's happy to turn. It'll turn. It just doesn't, again, it's not quick, you know, like mm. do a quick. But it sounds as though they've got a good balance that, you know, the, the weight, as you're saying, feels low down. And so you've got that. Right. So it's, I think that's also really, um, it's confidence inspiring. You know, you can just have a nice little lean into a turn. The bike's happy to go there. It's very stable and neutral as it does it. So there's, there's not any nervous feeling about it. And again, like when I scraped my heel, it didn't even startle me because right. when I hit it, it's not like it um, unbalanced me. You know, it didn't mm. throw me off didn't freak you out <laughs> didn't freak me out yeah <laughs> okay so um and you've experienced uh, lumps and bumps on the freeway presumably as we do have a lot of them here 
Yes, we do. Um, I'll say on the freeway, especially, especially our freeways, we have some of these really big expansion joints or joints. I yeah. know. They throw you out of your seat. Exactly. And that's what I was going to say about this bike. Um, while your knees do come up right under the tank and it's a real nice, secure feeling, you're mm. sitting on the bike, not in the bike. And yeah, you'll bounce out of the seat a little bit. So it's not built for high speeds on a bumpy, you know, on a freeway with big bumps. Around town, you're going at a moderate pace and it soaks up much most of the stuff. There's nothing adjustable on it except preload in the back. So, you know, what you have is is right there. It does a pretty darn good job though for what you experience around town. It soaks it up. Um, over a, a harder bump, you're going to feel it because your feet are forward and not under your butt so it's oh, like right of course yes. your legs is extra suspension right when they're forward so if you see you know like oh there's a big bump coming slow down a little bit otherwise when you're just cruising around it's fine so would you choose the meteor for a long ride let's say you know you, you got yourself together with a few friends and decided to do a little bit of touring you know if you were a beginner or intermediate rider do you think it's comfortable enough uh it's the seat's really comfortable. It's a nice, thick padded seat. Suspension is good enough for riding. And here's what I'll say. This, the body positioning is like all day comfortable. You're sitting upright. You're not leaned over. Your feet aren't tucked up anywhere. Um, the tank holds four gallons of gas. It gets supposedly, it gets an estimated 70 miles per gallon. So you can go a long way. Most people probably are not going to, you know, get out on a freeway on a bike like that and go for mm. a long for a long ride but you could certainly go around town around the back roads um poke around all day i don't think you'd get uncomfortable at all i went out for a couple hours a couple of times you know did did some canyon roads did lots of around town um on the boulevards went down sunset strip totally fun nice <laughs> when you do something like that of course you're stopping at stoplights periodically, you know what I mean? So it's not like you're in this static position, for, like if, if you're on a touring bike, it's it's not like that. So as a cruiser, it's very comfortable and you could go for, you know, hours with your friends if you wanted to. Yeah. And you don't get off feeling like you're, you're twisted and stuck in one position. No, and there's, it's not like, you know, some bikes you go out for a couple hours and come back and your fingers are tingling because there's this buzz that's coming through the handlebars or whatever. Yes. So this is a single. Um, you don't get that. I'm not getting that. I mean, there's, if again, I think I said this earlier, if you rev it up, you're going to feel more of the vibration in the higher RPMs. And I can see it in the mirrors. It's like I was going to say, when you're on the freeway, sometimes on some motors, you get that vibration on the mirrors, which is really disconcerting. Right. Then you can't see what's going on behind. Exactly. Um, but when you're just cruising around town, you don't feel that and the mirrors are spot on and they're sharp. So fantastic. Yeah, it sounds like all around a good little motor. It's it's really a fun bike. I really enjoy it. And I could find little to complain about. I really I think they did a great job with it. And uh I think a lot of people are gonna have a lot of fun on that bike. And do you know uh what the retail price is going to be $43.99 well, it sounds great and can't think of any negatives but that's always a good 
a good recommendation, isn't it? Um, and I think there's quite a wide range of colours on this model, so you're, you're still able to get a sort of a, an individual look. Yeah, I mean, for the meteor, which is a base model, you've got the, the, the fireball red and the fireball yellow. And to get the other colors, I think you have to bounce up to the stellar or the supernova, which are the other iterations of the bike. That's good. I mean, it's nice to have such a selection. Well, I love it. I think when they have bright colors, especially for, for a bike that's, well, I was going to say targeted for a beginner, but I don't even know if that makes the difference. I find bright colors are very welcoming and and fun. Yes. And I think it's great to give people an option. Like whenever I see a new model come out and it's like the choices are black, <laughs> white, a black bike or a white bike or a red bike, very traditional. And, you know, red is great, but it's fun also when you see yellows or blues. And yeah, it just adds to that retro feel as well, I think. Yeah, you know what? You're right. That is very retro feeling to me. It's a good bike. Uh, it's it's a good price for the bike. It comes standard with ABS. Fantastic. So yeah. that's nice too, because some bikes that don't have it, you're going to have to pay like another 400 bucks to get that. Mm. So, And that is something you don't really want to cut back on. And of course people do. Right. That's always right. You always want that if you can, if you can get that. Yeah. That's well thought out. Having it's a five speed too. I'll say, I'll just throw that out there. Five speed bike, but they're well, spaced i guess i will say that fifth i only was in top gear if i was on the freeway you know most of the time i was spending it in third gear around town right uh i said you, you roll on and roll off the throttle mm. you don't need to do a lot of shifting but that heel toe shifter is kind of fun actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah they they did a really nice job with yeah. with the bike uh, did you have a chance to ride at night at all see if the lights were giving you enough light or if your friends could see you in your in their rear view mirror that's always important i did not i did not ride that at night which is surprising but we had it only a brief time and we hope to have it back again so we can do a comparison with some of the other bikes um that would match up well with it yeah that's a good idea and uh sounds like you've really enjoyed the meter 350 not the biggest of bikes no but i find Little bikes can be way more fun than people might think. You know, like it's easy to go, oh, that's a little. Who wants to ride that? You know, but they're really fun. They're really fun. It's not like there's not enough power to do, you know, to get you around. It's not like by having a small, a small motor, that means you, it doesn't hinder you. Mm. It really doesn't. And especially for this type of bike, which is just fun. I mean, that's the, that's the point of it. This is a casual bike for relaxed riding. Oh, I will say this. I'm jumping around here a bit, but let me say oh. this. It would make a good commuter bike. It would make a good commuter because it's very solid, stable. Um, the engine power delivery is smooth and it's not anything that needs to be managed. So if you're in traffic, stopping and going, whatever, it, the power rolls on slowly. Nice. It's very predictable. And you it said it's be, maneuverable. And it's and it's very maneuverable, even though again, it's not like the lightest bike you ever you ever had, but it's it's just stable and it's something you don't have to have 
part of your attention on the bike while you're also trying to watch the traffic around you. So that would work. The, my only thought about it is that I would not be in a hurry on that bike. And yet I'm always leaving for work late and in a hurry. <laughs> so I would probably be late if I rode the meteor to work because I would just kind of be moseying along and just, I'd ride with a big smile on my face though, because I just wouldn't be stressed. <laughs> Chilling a bit. And is there space for strapping things on or is luggage available? There is a passenger pillion. So I suppose you could strap something to the seat, I think. Right. But honestly, I don't know if there's something to strap it to. There probably is. All right. And are there any other little bonuses that you can tell us about? The bike has a center stand, oh, which wow. seems totally appropriate for uh, the look of this bike. And it's also very practical from a sort of maintenance standpoint. And the other thing I'll say about it is I was actually able to pull it up onto the center stand and that's not something I can usually do. So I was impressed mm. by that. Yeah, you need, a, you need to have the knack to do that. But a center stand is true. apparently it's not good to, maybe I shouldn't say apparently, but it's not good to actually leave your bike on the side stand the whole time if you're not riding it very much. So a center stand is handy. And as you say, changing tires or maintenance. That is also one of the reasons why it's a little heavier than the other bikes that are its competitors, because you've got that extra piece of, you know, uh, metal on it. And also it has the bigger tank capacity than the other two bikes. So that stuff adds up. And it's interesting because I know a lot of times people look at bikes and they compare weight, you know, if spikes lighter, that's better. But lighter is not always better. Sometimes the extra weight is worth it for that planted solid feel that the bike has. It just, there's a security sometimes in that and it helps the suspension frequently. So I don't knock any points off for the extra weight of that bike at all. I don't think that's a negative. That's useful. Useful to hear that because of course you don't have much chance these days. That's why people come to Ultimate Motorcycling. You don't have chance to test ride bikes. And as you say, you sort of look at the specs and think, okay, I want something light, but it's not always better. Right. I mean, if you were looking at it as a dirt bike that's going to have fallen over many times and you have to pick it up, you might care, but you're not usually picking a street bike up. So really, unless that is contributing to it being too hard to handle when you're wanting to maneuver, it's not an issue, really. Or, you know, if you're talking about a race bike, but we're not talking about that. You're just talking about a bike that, you know, you're going to ride around town and have a good time on. That kind of heavier feel, and, and I say that, but it's not like the bike feels heavy. I shouldn't say heavy. That more planted Meaty, feel. yes. Oh, planted, yeah. That's a good, that's, yeah, it just, that actually is comforting. It feels good. It's funny what, uh, you know, doesn't, Things don't always occur to you unless you get stuck in the sort of, uh, you can just read through specs, but uh, unless you, you can, well, that's why it's good to speak like this, because unless you can actually hear from somebody's experiences, you don't actually realize the sort of things you do have to consider. Yeah, it's like you said, um, it, you, most people don't have the opportunity to ride a bunch of bikes and certainly not back to back. I know whenever we've done comparisons and we've gone out, let's say on, on a ride with two or three bikes, 
ride around for a bit. Everybody gets off and switches, ride again some more, switch again. That's when you really feel it. And I remember we did a story a few years ago on mid-sized bikes and they were distinctly different. One was clearly the lightest bike. One was the tallest. One was the, um, the power delivery was most responsive. And I think of the three riders, maybe mm. all three of us liked a different one. And I like the heaviest one, which might be non-intuitive since I'm the lightest person of the group. Yes. You'd think I might want the light bike. So I'm not like intimidated by the weight, but the heavier bike just felt more secure. We were doing a lot of riding through the hills. So quick riding through the twisties, I felt more secure on the heavier bike. Not to say that when I rode the lighter one, um, I didn't enjoy that flickable light feel. Right. But, but you just felt better. Yeah. Because that flickable light thing also um, is a little less secure. You have to be more precise because you're really maneuvering that bike. The heaviness mm. of, of the heavier bike just was solid, you know, and I don't know. It's, as you said, it's hard to know how you're going to enjoy riding if you don't get to ride them, you know, if you don't get to test them. So that's, we're lucky. We're lucky at the magazine to yeah. ride them. We're lucky. And yeah, and it's uh, good that people have a chance to hear that from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Not saying you look anything <laughs> like a horse. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you've got the experience and, you know, you've ridden different bikes. And as you say, you're, you're a lighter person. And it's interesting that, that, that you would think you would want a lighter bike, but no, a heavier one feels. Well, you know, I also notice a lot of times on the freeway, because if the conditions are so bad where we live that the heavier bike feels better because you don't get bounced around so much. Mm. So. Or buffeted by the wind. That's one of my pet hates. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, as in most things with, with the motorcycles, it really depends on one, what you enjoy two, what style of riding, you know, do you want the sport bike ride? You know, you're doing the quick ride. Are you doing a more casual, you know, going to go meet your buddies for coffee and then just kind of spin down the boulevard or whatever? It just really depends on what you want to do. So, yeah, it's true. I was going to say, but I do like, I do, I do Percy like the way things are going with the retro bikes because you can do all of that. You can do the feeling comfortable, but you also look cool and you have that sort of style that you can adhere to, you know, you can wear fairly casual looking motorcycle gear because a lot of protective gears these days looks fantastic and you can sort of get off your bike and still you know look not look a complete committed motorcyclist if you if you go and do something like as you say meet for coffee go to the cinema or whatever that's true i yeah i really like the trend it's been a while now but of the retro style coming back there's there's a lot to choose from and i love that look i think i think it's appealing to a lot of people because it just it you know it sends you back to this what we think of as these mm. simpler times i don't know we're all nostalgic right it always seems like things were better before but so when you see these older bikes it's like ah oh, that you know it just takes you back like takes that you back it's all a bit more comfortable you don't have people don't have expectations of you leaping on and racing off because you're not in that sort of 
the thrown forward position. I like it, but you know, each to their own. Right. One of the things that I most like about motorcycle riding that I discovered early is that no matter what stresses I have going on in the rest of my life, Don would say to me, hey, let's go out and take a ride. And I'm like, I can't, I've got to do this, this, and this. I just can't. And he's like, come on, 15 minutes. I'm like, okay, but only 15 because I have stuff to do. And then as soon as I'm on the bike and going down the road, literally like a minute, I have forgotten about that other stuff and I don't care. And that is one of the joys of riding is that after all these years, that still works, you know? So it is a fantastic thing. It sort of makes you, gives you a different perspective straight away. You can kind of prioritize things while you're riding, think about things, and then you end up just riding without thinking about them. Yeah, exactly. So um, that and the other thing that I really loved about riding when I first started was that, and again, I think I told you I started on dirt, right? So you fall. Yes. And you know, we'd go up rocky trails, whatever. And there'd be things that scared me, you know, like, oh, really? I'm so, you want me to do that? Are you kidding? And you do it and you fall down, you get back up and you're like, wow, I did that and it's okay. And what is it in my like nine to five life that scares me? Like physically, you know what I mean? Not like mentally your job, but yes, it scares you. Nothing. Nothing, you know, but to do something physical that kind of is scary and then you do it and you're fine is awesome. So that was one of the other things that I really, really enjoyed about my early years in motorcycle riding. And even still, you know, you know how it is. There's just that, thrill, yes. that thrill of riding. So that's it. And getting over that fear when it happens, it's not so bad. You just sort of dust off. Exactly. Exactly. Wonder why you were freaking out so much. Yeah, so it, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. Good for the soul. So sounds like you had a really good time on the media, and I hope to actually get to get to ride one myself soon. So Yeah, I would be interested to see what you think of it. Um, I think you'd like it. I think you would. Well, thank you for taking us through that. Sounds like you've had some great riding experience. Thank you very much for joining us today, and uh, we'll see you on the road. Sounds good. Thanks, TJ. Cheerio. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, thanks to Kelly for her insight into the Royal Enfield Meteor. As mentioned at the top of the show, in this second segment, TJ chats with actor Stephen Marcus, the English actor who played Nick the Greek in Guy Ritchie's late 90s classic British underworld movie, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Stephen has relocated to Los Angeles and started riding motorcycles recently, including a charity ride with Daryl Clark's Sons of Royalty ride. Stephen has recently also inked a deal for a motorcycle-themed reality TV show as well, so that should be interesting. Stephen is a fun guy. We hope you enjoy this section of the podcast as well. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Motos and Friends. Today we're speaking with Stephen Marcus. Hello, Stephen. Thanks for joining us. Now, Stephen is uh, an English actor and now based in LA and came came to me through the film Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. That's, uh, that's where I first heard of you and you played the role 
Nick the Greek. This is the Guy Ritchie movie. And how did that come about? I had, oh God, that came about, I don't know. It's a very old film now. It's 90, it came wow. out in 98. I got involved probably about two or three years before that. I, I, my agent just fixed up an audition. I went to, um, to the audition uh, where Guy was there, the casting director, and Dexter Fletcher was reading the lines off, which at the time I didn't know he was going to be in the film. I thought, that's very odd. Dexter Fletcher reading lines, you know, just <laughs> sitting in auditions reading lines. But that was, he was obviously going to be involved later and he was just working along with Guy, helping Guy out. And um, so Dexter Fletcher was sitting there reading the other part for the auditions. And um, I thought that's very strange. Uh, Dexter Fletcher, yes. very established, well-known actor. Uh, yeah. What's he doing? Why is he doing that? Uh, and then it, was, it wasn't until after that I thought about it, I thought, oh, yeah, obviously he's going to be in the film and he's just working alongside helping Guy out. Uh, so, um, or it could have been the other way. He wasn't in the film yet, but because he did that, he was in the film. Who knows? <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so I did the audition. And then it just sat on it, sat on a uh, sat on a shelf for a while while they raised some finance. Uh, they raised the finance. We're all ready to go. Everyone's raring to go. Yay! Ooh, woo! Two Italian fellas put the money up, uh, and it was all yeah. Let's do this. And then they pulled the money out at the last minute. Don't know why. Um, and the whole thing fell apart. In hindsight, a huge mistake because lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. Oh yeah, indeed. In hindsight, it is a huge mistake. But yeah, so Matthew had to go, Matthew Vaughan had to go out and uh, find the money from all his mates, basically. And he, and he, I don't know how the connection came. It was either, I think he knew Trudy Styler, Sting's wife. And she got, or, or he knew Sting. And she, he, either way, Trudy Styler got the script, loved it, thought it was great, came on board, developed it more, worked on it more. And then, so then around 90, it was it came out in ninety eight, so ninety seven. We started shooting, and uh, and yeah, and the rest is kind of history. I wrote a book. It's about three years old now. It's called uh, "Have a Butchers: The Making of Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels," and it's it's basically just stories from the set. Uh, I interviewed all the other actors and all the crew and people, and just got funny stories. And stories of my own that were there as well, and just fun. Some funny, some serious, some some just just good, interesting read. Really, I think. I hope. <laughs> London Cockney rhyming slang. So, on to uh, your two wheeled experience. Now, you two wheeled experiences. Yeah. You. Um, Do you want to like? Do I start at the beginning? Start at the beginning. Yes. I'll start at the beginning. Um, it all started way way back. Now, <laughs> I was doing a TV show. <laughs> Uh, a telly show called Rumble, which was a TV show about wrestlers. Yeah, my character was a brother, one of two brothers who were a tag team. Not a very good tag, tag team, but they were a tag team. And um, in real, in their day job, they were builders. And so the, the writers had written this idea of them riding around on a, on a, on a motorbike with sidecar. Uh, and they wanted me to drive, ride the bike and the, the other guy to sit in the sidecar. And they, 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 they uh, so I said to them, I've never ridden a bike. You'll have to teach me. you get me some lessons, et cetera. And they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get it sorted, don't worry. It's all there. 
So get nearer to the date to the week shooting. I said, you know, lessons, haven't you sorted those out, please? And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's all, we're all, it's all under control. And then the day before, I think I said, I still have another lesson. They said, oh, don't worry, we'll show you at lunchtime. So, <laughs> so lunchtime comes along and they pull out this bike, which is an old World War II commando bike, uh, courier's bike, uh, and uh, built onto the side of it, in character, oh. is this sidecar made out of scaffold poles and bolts and all clamped together and stuff on this bike. Totally thrown it off balance. And also I didn't know how to ride. So I get on the bike yeah. and somebody said, somebody, one of the other actors was watching this. He said, oh, sorry. he's watching this on the dining bus. <laughs> he's on the top deck of this dining bus and he, he's looking and, and he said, it's brilliant. It, it, was, it was brilliant. All I could see was you, you got on and I showed you where did this and then here's the brake, here's the clutch, here's the throttle, et cetera. And, um, and they said, off you, he said, you saw, I saw you go and you pulled away so smoothly. It was brilliant. It was like you were born to it. Pulled away so smoothly. Then you went out of my vision. I couldn't see anything. And all I heard was bang, 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 bang. <laughs> and what happened was I'd, I forgot which was breaking clutch, breaking clutch. And I um, pulled the clutch and went smack straight into a brick wall <laughs> and uh, impaled my leg on a on one of the bolts that was holding the sidecar together. Oh, no. Yeah. And so I still have a hole in my shin from that. And uh, spent the afternoon in hospital. So you thought, this is great. I love motorcycles. So, yeah, I, well, madly, I do. And I did. It didn't stop, didn't determine me at all. In fact, it made me just go out and write, I better learn how to ride. So I went to uh, a riding school, CSM, Catford School of My Motorcycles, I think it is, in Catford. This is still in London, yes. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> went there, uh, did a five-day intensive course with the test at the end of it, passed my test. Um, uh, and that was it. Uh, I lost my goggles, bought all the equipment, went out, bought a helmet, jacket, uh, <laughs> uh, goggles. I bought one of them. Um, I don't, one of the things that made me want to become a cyclist, my cyclist, was a film that I saw years and years ago. Never seen it again since. It was called Electroglide in Blue. All right. Uh, do you know it? I've heard of it, yes. Yeah, it's about a motorcycle cop. And it stars an actor whose name escapes me. The, 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 one of the films he was in, Midnight Express, was one of the reasons I became an actor. He was in this film, so that's why I watched it. And um, oh. he was riding around on his Harley Davidson, big blue Harley Davidson cop and in, the, in the desert and stuff. And it was just, I want to do that. I want to be able to do that one day. So that was kind of what, like, kind of always made me want to be a motorcyclist. So, yeah, got all the equipment and I got, I got distracted. I got the helmet was one of those cop ones, uh, uh, a shoey half look. I had to get some goggles. And of course, being naive and innocent, I've put them on the top of the helmet. That looks cool. Right. So you wanted that look. It looks very cool. Just after I've done my test, I'm driving along, riding along on the bike, back to the um, back to the thing. Didn't realise that my goggles have gone, gone flying off and were lying at the side of the road somewhere. Uh -huh. Yeah, I've had, yeah, I only just got them, lost them straight away. You probably lost them within five minutes. So yeah, so that was me. Just, just so that our listeners know, you have now relocated. You live in Los Angeles. I do, yes. I am I am a resident of Los Angeles, of Hollywood. So I got attracted by the bright lights of my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been here? So I've been in Los Angeles since 2017. I've lived here before for a, short, for a couple of years, but uh, we, we are actual resident, got green cards working, living. Right. We moved. Our life is here. Great, and it's fantastic. I love it here myself. Yeah. Uh, how, funny, how funny, a couple of Londoners <laughs> sitting yeah. here in California. 
it's great. America's great. And, and it is. California is. And Americans great. are. I love the American people. Everybody. Very America, Americans are interesting. They, 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 I do like Americans. I love them. <laughs> now, I want to hear the story of your adventures with Sons of Royalty. Ah, yes. So you have a, a friend in London who called you up and told you about the great British invasion. Yeah, what happened was my agent just called me up uh, and said, you ride a motorcycle, don't you? I said, mm, yes. <laughs> Here we go uh, again. Because <laughs> what I didn't say earlier was that when I passed my test, I haven't ridden a motorcycle since. Uh, uh, and that was 21 years ago. How long ago was that? Got to be 20 years ago. Easily. 21 years, right. But a bit of a gap. <laughs> so my, so my agent says, you ride a bike? I said, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm thinking he's got a job for me. Said, well, I got this contact from um, some people and they wondered if you'd be interested in getting involved with the charity. So what it was, was Daryl Clark, who kind of is the, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, he's the driving force behind the Sons of Royalty Child Lion Rocks charity. Uh, and they asked me if I would like to go on a cycle ride with them. And my dream has always been to ride across America on the back of a Harley and, you know, do the stereotype route thing, drive, right. Yes, yeah. And, and they actually wanted me within two weeks to go up to Canada and do it across west east, west to east coast in, uh, across Canada. Wow. I'm like, a big I couldn't adventure. do it. I, I just couldn't, couldn't justify the time uh, and, the, and the, sh the, the short notice, et cetera. Okay. Uh, uh, and so, so I said, thank you, but no thank you. Uh, but he said, well, you do it next year. We've got another one coming up next year. We're going to do, and we got talking, uh, but they hadn't decided what to do, but we got talking. And I, I said, whoa, California is lovely. Thinking of myself. <laughs> Thinking, California is great. Why didn't you do here? So they said, you know what? We will. That's a good idea. So 2019, they decided that we would do this route that started in San Diego, go out towards uh, Palm Springs, Joshua Tree, up through the Los Angeles National Forest, through the Joshua National Forest, um, up along the East Coast to Lake Tahoe, across from Lake Tahoe to San Francisco, and then down the coast back to LA. Exciting. Well, that's a long route for somebody who hasn't ridden for 20 years. It was, it was. And the whole, the whole point of the charity, by the way, <laughs> should, should maybe mention that bit, is that they have been doing this for quite a few years, and it's 10 years now. They do these rides every year, to raise money to help uh, Childline in England. Childline in England is a telephone service and internet service where children who are suffering from abuse, bullying, basically kids that are suffering from having any problems, whatever. Oh, I see. So it gives they can call this, it's kind of like a Samaritan's line for, for children. And they can phone it up. Yeah, it's a communication line. So that children who are in that, that sort of yeah communication and and, and they uh, uh, and they can use it to to talk to somebody and get help if needed etc. Um, yeah, and it's very 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 worthy very very good charity. That is a very worthy. Uh, and um, and and the sons of royalty became came born to try and ra help raise money for that by doing these rides. And it came about at a similar time to Sons of Anarchy, hence the name Sons of Royalty. Yeah, that's a good play on that name. I like that. Uh, because we are Sons of the King and Queen. Yeah, it, it's, it's really, really, really great fun. And they have rock stars involved. 
uh, they have a they have a, a band who are uh, what are they 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 the resident band I suppose for the for the charity, the uh, Thunder, um, which some of our some of your listeners may have heard of. Right. Uh, they're quite well big known rock band from the 70s, 80s rather, um, and they they come on and at the end of the end of the tour we have a big old laugh, a party, Thunder play, uh, any other people play. Uh, and join in, and it's all, it's all a bit of a laugh, a bit of a dinner, raise a bit of money, and uh, every year, they, I think they've raised... Mainly you'll be raising some money. Mainly raising money, and they've raised a lot, a lot of money uh, over the years. I, I, I easily, um, like, they raise about 100,000 each time. Because people, people, general pe- people, members of the public, pay, I think they have to raise a £1,000 to to even contemplate going on the tour. And then they pay for their expenses, bike hire, flights, hotels, all organised for them. Right. But they have to pay the money. So where do you hire your bike from? Bikes are, uh, are, have been uh, raised recently from Eagle Riders. Harley uh, Davidson, of course. Yeah, yeah. And Fantastic. Yes, that's the the iconic yeah. ride through exactly. American roads. I, I loved it. I, I, I was, I, I'm all over it. I have now set up the... Well, with uh, on the side, we haven't done anything yet, but we've set up. We have a, ch- a, a sub charity, uh, which is the California chapter of the Sons of Royalty. Fantastic. Where we will be involved in uh, getting, setting some things up. COVID 19 has um, kind of put a big stop on anything happening. Uh, but eventually, we'll get things together and start doing um, rides, smaller rides, events, and things to help raise money as well. And, uh, and raise money for a local charity, I think. Yeah, that sounds great. I'll put um, some. I'll put some information in the show notes, so that if riders who are listening want to be involved in that, who wouldn't want to ride around America on a Harley Davidson? Uh, yeah, I'll put that information out there. All right. I mean, my story of that ride, though, the 2019 ride, was, as I said, I hadn't ridden a bike for since my test 20 years ago. I haven't got an American license either. So I had to um, go to uh, Harley Davidson in Glendale uh, who do a little course. It's a two day, two day course. You drive around and ride around a car park, learn how to, or basically learn to, towards the test, safety procedures, et cetera. Uh, do what you have to do in the test. So, and for some reason, there's one part of it. I never quite know how you're gonna do this, but they set out the cones. So it's a corridor with a right angle turn. One to the left, one to the right. I'm like, when the hell am I going to be riding down a corridor? <laughs> there are no ride? roads like that. No. I mean, it's only like three foot wide. When am I going to ride down a corridor? Never. But that's part of the testing. So I had to do it. So anyway, I got my test. And then uh, the, it was get, getting closer to the uh, to going to do going to San Diego, and which I was really looking forward to. Riding down, not riding down, getting on the train. There's an east coast, uh, a coastal train. Nice. Uh, so I was going to get on that from LA and go down to San Diego. It's a two-hour ride, beautiful along the coast, passing some gorgeous scenery, um, and then meet up with the gang in San Diego and pick up the bikes, and off we go. But unfortunately, or fortunately for me at the time, I got a job. I had to go and do an episode of NCIS LA um, with Finney Jones. And... Um, we so I, so I couldn't do the first part of the tour. I was booked up for a week, so instead of um, going to San Diego, I met them. I got a plane up to San Francisco and met them by the Golden Gate Bridge, 
I had never ridden a bike apart from around a car park in America, apart uh, uh, in Glendale. <laughs> so um, it was a bit nerve wracking to turn up at the Harley shop. I jump on a very fancy private airplane that uh, you can rent. I, I'm not being, I'm, I'm not one I of those. for a moment you were going to say you had a private airplane. Yes, no, <laughs> unfortunately, no, no. I, is, there's a company, uh, JSX, Jet Suite X. Um, you can get a flight from, they do short hot flights on a 25 seat uh, airplane. Uh, and it's really Great. good and they're really cheap. Uh, and so I flew up there to Orlando, got in a cab, took me to the back of the shop, to the Eagle Riders Harley shop and picked up this road king. And the first thing, first thing I was worried about was pulling away, stalling and embarrassing the shit out of myself in front of uh, these uh, people in the store. Uh, fortunately, that didn't happen. Uh, I gently pulled away, went around the corner, that was lovely. It didn't fall off at all, actually. And then just drove through the streets of San Francisco. On your onto, own? On my own, never having ridden a bike before, onto the Golden Gate Bridge, which was nerve wracking as well. <laughs> I went across the Golden Break, Gate Bridge. I was supposed to meet them at this lookout point. So I had to find this lookout point, driving around these, these hills on the other side of the, the, the bay. Got up there, took a wrong turn, realised I'd taken a wrong turn very quickly at this, at this, this, this roundabout. So I quit, went to turn around, turned to the side of the road, and there's a gravel at the side of the road, went into it, not now, and just went, my bike just stopped dead. Not, I wasn't going at speed, so it was, but my bike stopped dead in the gravel and went, and I went, boomph. Collapsed at the side of the road. Oh. I'm trying to pick up this Harley on my own. Um, like it's huge, and I'm a big fella, but I I, I, I couldn't move it. Uh, I bet there is a net. Even, luckily, uh, there was a, a workman doing some road work just down the way. Saw what saw me do it in the first place. Probably laughed his tits off, and then <laughs> thought, "Ah, oh, Paul, I'll go and help him." And he came over and he helped me out. <laughs> helped me pick it up. I drive down to the meeting point, but I was two hours late because my flight had been delayed and they, they, they weren't there. So I then had to drive back over the Golden Gate Bridge, down through uh, on the freeway, through um, through San Francisco, off down through some side streets. Eventually met up with one of the guys who waited for me. And we, my wife had said to me, my wife had said to me, whatever you do, do not go above 50 miles an hour and do not go on the freeway. So I'm following Jason to go and meet up with the other guys down in Monterey to the hotel for that night. And um, it's just suddenly, he's, we're going nicely along this coast road, and then suddenly boom, pulls off, goes on the freeway. I'm like, oh, great, jump on the freeway. And then he opens it up, and he's like off doing 80 mile an hour down the freeway. Broke all those wifely resolutions. Yes, they were out the window. And to, to, to make her feel safer, I had agreed to put a GPS on my phone. So when I got to the hotel, my phone up, she's just like, how'd it go? How was it? You're, you're alive then? So yeah, yeah, I'm alive. She said, I'm good, good, that's good. Because 80 mile an hour could have been a killer for you. What? Yes, don't forget the GPS, darling. Oh, God, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but after that, she was fine. She's lovely and she's... Um, You've been correct. She's great. And yeah, did finish the bike talk. Yeah, so how many people did you meet at that point? Um, Roughly. We, I think... I think it was about 30 people. Good in heavens. Right. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a fair old few. And some of them aren't all, all on bikes. There's a, there's a, there's a couple going to cars. Um, so they're not, it's not restricted to bikers, but it is mainly bikers. Right. 
So they, and, they, and yeah, it's, it's great fun. I mean, you'll go off down to uh, down in that case. We the hotel was in Monterey. Yeah, and so the next day, rode back to Los, Los Angeles. But the sad thing for me was because I was all super excited. Yeah, I'm riding bike. Woo-hoo-hoo. And they'd all been doing it for a week. And all they wanted to do was get from A to B. That was it. Get from A to B. I wanted to like ride around, see the scenery, stop, have a look, and, and do all that. What's the whales at, uh, up in Monterey? But no, they were like, right, we're moving on now. Come on, come on. Right. So, so um, I nearly killed myself on the first day as well. Oh, do tell. Or, or my second day, actually, on the from yeah Monterey. It was pouring with rain, so um, and I took this corner too wide. I didn't quite uh, uh, really sharp corners on these roads on this. Well, you're learning on the job, so yes. Yeah, yeah, and and pretty much I put the I, I brake too hard on the wet road and back to I, my back end started fishtailing. I ended up on the, on the other side of the road just as a car's coming around the other Ooh. end. And luckily, I don't know how, some, I don't know, my instinct or something, got it back under control and just eased back over onto my side of the road as this car went. Yeah, miss. Oh. Yeah, that is a classic mistake, but um, a learned mistake. Yeah. But you live to tell the tale. Yeah. I'm st- I, and I am still a learner. Oh, we all are. It's a, it's a, we all are. It's a constant learning curve. Yeah, 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 it is. <laughs> I was speaking to a friend of mine yesterday, uh, a couple of days ago. Um, he's my, my cycling partner on my motorcycle. But we go out and we ride, and he's rebuilding. Uh, he's got some bikes that he's rebuilding, um, one of which he's already done, and it's, 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 a, it's, it's a working bike. He's got a 71 Bonneville. And he's now making, he's decided he's going to build what's called a desert sled. I don't know if you've ever heard of these things. I have not. No, do. You... Yeah, it's it's a it's a basically, and he's making it out of a sixty-seven Bonneville T one twenty. I wrote that down right. so I'd remember <laughs> a T one a T one Bonneville T one twenty, and it's basically a stripped-down bike that you ride and race in the desert on. And he wants to go and do that next. That's his his thing. He wants to go desert racing. There's a brilliant film. He told he told me about this. Are you going to join him or are you going to watch? Uh, I think I watched. He, he told me about this film um, from made in 1971 called Any 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 Sunday. On Any Sunday. Any On Sunday. Any Sunday. Uh, uh, and it's Steve McQueen. It's not, a, it's a documentary. Steve McQueen was a big desert ride, racer, um, motocross rider. And so he's involved in it. The guy who directed it and uh, made it is uh, Steve McQueen's mate. And it's a very interesting film, very exciting, about uh, uh, very dated because it's made in 1971. Um, uh, but it's really interesting about the whole motor racing, motorbike racing scene in America at that time. Um, follows a few professional riders who do all sorts, and they do, they do do all sorts. There's, it's like, there's a hill, I don't know, they probably still do this in Utah, I think it's called, called the Widowmaker. And at that time, at, this, uh, at that time, nobody had ever got to the top of it. Uh, people just, they, they get on their bikes and they go up uh, and then they get so far and they jump off their bikes and the bikes are tumbling down the hill. Uh, and uh, so they, 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 they do that, they do track racing, they do motocross racing, desert racing, all these guys doing everything. It's fascinating. 
I have heard of I have heard of that film. It's actually an iconic film. It's um, actually probably responsible for pulling a lot of people into pulling, not putting, pulling a lot of people into motorcycle right. riding. Yeah, well, it made me yeah. it excited me again. Made me yeah. want to go. Apparently, the director said that um, Steve McQueen jumping the barbed wire fence in in The Great Escape made him want to become a motorcyclist. <laughs> not jump barbed wire. Just fence. takes one moment. Yeah, yeah. No. So you're on your trip. On your Harley Davidson, yes, cruising the roads of America. So you've got to LA, right? Where you started, basically. But where I started. So yeah. the whole gang of sons of royalty have turned up in LA. Yeah, and we had a nice party. <laughs> Not to terrorize, but but to, to but to have a party and listen to thunder. Yeah, and that's all we did. Basically, we we listened to listened to thunder and had a had a, a sing song, a ding dong, and um, talked about doing the next year's one in 2020, which unfortunately did not happen because of COVID. No, COVID, but the plan was COVID, to do, yeah. and I'm, I'm thinking the plan still is to do this, was is to start, for some reason, I'm not sure why they want to do that, but they're starting in Utah, in Salt Lake City, and then riding uh, from there, basically down through uh, uh, Nevada, down through New, New Mexico, through Albuquerque, along through Texas, along uh, and, uh, uh, and that way, and then finishing up in Mississippi, uh, at Clarksdale, Mississippi. Um, and it was supposed to be last year, it was the anniversary of the Blues Hall of Fame. Um, right. But uh, obviously that didn't happen. Uh, and it was supposed to take go there, be there, and then go to Clarksdale. And in Clarksdale is uh, the, the charity's patron uh, is, uh, or two, two guys, but one of them is um, is Morgan Freeman. He's he's a patron of our charity, and he Fantastic. he is a big blues man, and he owns a blues club in Clarksdale. And the plan was to have the big finished bash there in Clarksdale, performing on stage, thunder, local blues artists. Morgan Freeman's gonna would perform as well, um, and um, and it would be a wonderful time. I think they're going to postpone that. And do it this year if it can be. Although I'm not, I'm not even sure 2021 is going to work out either. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, hopefully you'll be. Out, hopefully that's just postponed, yeah. and that will all happen next yeah, year. Hopefully, yeah. Oh, I fancy that myself. Actually, that sounds like a great route. You know, a, a route. It sounds like a great route. <laughs> oh, you're going all American. That's a great route. <laughs> I was going to cut that out, but now that you've laughed, I'll have to leave it in. <laughs> You do that. Don't, do you find that? Do you find that you, 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 your, your same words uh, in English, in English, English, that uh, Americans say in a different manner? And sometimes they don't understand what the hell you're saying. So you have yes. to say it in an American style. Like, right. Yes, otherwise, yes, it, it works both ways. It's, it's incredible how one, the same word can just, you know, as you mm. say, it can just be misinterpreted. And, yeah. Uh, I have, I have great fun with it and great frustration with it when <laughs> people literally don't understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes. Can I have a glass of water, please? Sorry? Uh, water. Glass of water, please. What? 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 In the middle. What? 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 Yeah. Yeah. And then you get them, then you get somebody who thinks they do the best English accent ever and gives you the worst Cockney accent you've ever heard. All right, they are very puddings. <laughs> That's probably a bit too good. 
I know. Yeah. It's fascinating. No, I like that. I like the language differences. So, um, I'll do it. Yeah. Anyway, back to bikes. Well, obviously, you're interested. You've got a keen interest in motorcycles. You're doing rides for charity and you, you've, you've learned to ride for work. And um, where are you going to take that? Have you got any other plans to do? Years ago, I came up with an idea. Again, it was to do with wanting to ride bikes. Um, was I came up with this idea for a TV show, uh, which was originally meant to be a, a sort of um, dry comedy in the style of The Office or something about an actor raising money to go out, uh, raises money to go on a motorcycle search of England, discovering the Arthurian sites and legends of England. Um, that never happened. But then I did get a, 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 a Canadian company I worked for called me up and said, have you got anything to do with motorcycles? And we're looking for a kind of a reality show thing. Uh, and, I, and I thought about that and I thought, yeah, I could do that as a reality show. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I got this thing and I said, I've got this thing. It's me riding on a Harley, riding around um, America, uh, meeting people and discovering the differences of Americans and English and, and, uh, and learning more about being an American and as an actor, acting American, etc. So um, they thought, that's a great idea. We shot a teaser. Um, for this, uh, 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 we did three days in uh, in South Carolina, uh, which was very interesting. It was all, all set up by a local copper down there, local policeman, um, who was very nice, um, and uh, just me going and doing a set up a few things. Like I went to uh, went to a, a biker bar, went to a, a, a a, um, a shooting range and hung out with some of the place guys and chat, chatted to them and that. And it's just a little five minute teaser just to sell it. It's fun. It's fun. I mean, I went to this biker bar. That was the funniest thing. Is this guy? It's owned by a guy called Animal. It's a proper outlaws mo bike motorcycle bar, um, and um, straight out of Sons of Anarchy. No, it really was, um, and. His name, he, he sounded like it was Billy Bob Thornton in, um, in Sling Blade. Talk like that. He's like, this is my bar, animal, I'm animal. And all. I'm like, blimey, okay. Um, I, he had a guy, I interviewed a guy at his bar, could not understand a word he said, literally. <laughs> yeah, well, you never know. He probably, he probably didn't uh, understand you uh, either. I think that would be an interesting program, particularly, I mean, you know, being from England myself, I think people who don't live in America really don't understand that there are some fantastic big characters here. You know, the, the freedom of different ways to live here is amazing. And, you know, the Americans are lovely, friendly people. And I think that would be a great idea to go around meeting different different people doing different things and and all on a motorcycle so yeah. have you found you now have a favorite motorcycle yes uh, and my favorite motorcycle i've got two two actually that i've really liked i used to think of myself like cruiser uh cruising along sunglasses all that with the big chopper handlebars and that kind of thing and so i i rent i rent every now and then me and my friend we go out and we ride and we rent bikes and i rented from glendale harley davidson a fat bob which is like the fat boy, but fatter. 
and <laughs> um, and I absolutely adored it. I loved it. I have no, no idea why. I just enjoyed the ride on it. It's a big bike, and it's it's difficult to ride. Uh, difficult to scary in the slower slower bits. You know, you don't want to fall off it, and you'll never be able to pick it up. Sort of thing. Yeah. But it goes. It's beautiful. It's got a huge, big, fat back tire that I just absolutely loved. It gives a good stability. It's big. And then um, <laughs> I was on one of the rides with this guy pulled up at traffic lights, and this is my lack of knowledge came out. This guy, this guy pulled up next to me and said, looking at my looking at my bike up and down, and went, "Well, what kind of pipes are they?" And I'm like, "No idea, pal." <laughs> I don't even what pipes. What pipes? No, I don't smoke a pipe. I don't smoke at all. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, but my friend is a is more of a, a an off roader. Loves a bit of scrambling and stuff. And he's a, he he wanted to go and try out uh, do a, a test ride on the new um, or then at that time it was the new Triumph uh, twelve hundred um, scrambler uh, and twelve hundred S I think. And so, so we went, and I had a go on it, and I bloody love that as well. <laughs> I really do. I love the. I actually really like that upright riding position. You can see everything around you, um, and, and 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 it's it's a bike with a bit of poke. You know, Twelve hundred. It's got some movement on it. Yeah, that would get um, going. And it was great. It didn't go off road. Just did it around the streets near the dealership. But um, it was still, yeah, I like that one as well. So I have one of those, please. Anybody out there? Anybody? <laughs> yeah, the more yeah. the more you ride and, and the wider your experience, I think, gives you, you the ideals you have to start with change as you ride different bikes. Yeah. I mean, like, like I said, said about watching on any Sunday uh, yesterday, um, it really made me kind of open my eyes up to A, that scrambler off-roading thing, uh, and also... Um, so I can see now why people like motorbike racing, like like watching motor. It's um, it's pretty damn cool, really. And it yeah, it's yeah. very exciting. I mean, the MotoGP is the most exciting thing. It's a spectacular show, and the riding is incredible. Well, you get the MotoGP, the main racing, and then the Moto Two and the Moto Three, and all very exciting to watch. Right, and then I mean, you've got to be mad to do it. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people want to do it. <laughs> you, you, you've definitely got to have a screw loose to, to, to want to get on a, a motorcycle and travel at that speed and don't do corn. You know, you drive to, sort of, I don't know what they do now. Is it up to like 200 miles an hour straight and then going into corners at 100 miles an hour, leaning, mm -hmm. like virtually lying, laying down on the ground. Yeah, and, yeah. and higher speeds than that. Yeah, it's incredible. I yeah. wouldn't have to do it. No, no, I, I, I would not. My wife would let me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Stephen, for speaking with us about your experiences on motorcycles and how you've involved that in your acting career. I think uh, it, it's great that you meet all, all sorts of people on motorcycles. Yeah, and you do, course, don't you? Yeah, and they're always nice people. <laughs> yes, generally, yes. We're good at all throwing ourselves into madness of putting ourselves on a, a small piece, small frame of metal. With a big engine in it and trying to kill ourselves <laughs> <laughs> all good fun yeah so uh, we're local hopefully we'll see you on the road and thank you very much for joining us on motos and friends thank you my pleasure ta-da then <laughs>